Okay then, good afternoon everyone. How are we doing? Happy New Month. 2019 is already coming to an end gradually. Um, yes, so today we're meant to, or we're going to start the topic honor for the word. I will look specifically on the doctrine of Christ. But before then, just by way of recap, let's just talk a bit about what we learned last week about Christian giving. We looked at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and we talked about how Christian giving was never motivated by um, the prospect of receiving financially when you give. It was never a motivation in church history. And even though that might be popular now, that was never <laughs> what it was. You don't you don't give to the hundredfold will come back to you. We looked at the Macedonian church and how in spite of their poverty they still give, not as a means to come out of poverty, but they give out of love and they give to meet the needs of the brethren. So we saw that those two as majorly the motivation for Christian giving out of love that we have seen in Christ as an example out of love for the brethren and so to meet their needs basically so that was what motivated people to give we looked at um, he became poor that you might be rich and that how that was not talking about how they are how the believer that is not rich is not taking advantage of his um, inheritance in Christ okay there was nothing material suggested in any of those chapters in fact there is nothing materialistic in the message of the gospel or in the message of Christianity so we looked at 2 Corinthians 9 as well so when you see for instance 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 he also sparingly will reap sparingly he also bountifully will reap bountifully we talked about what exactly was he reaping? Was he, were you reaping money in return? And we said that was definitely not it. And we talked about how even when you consider people like the Macedonian church or the, the widow who gave her only, um, the only thing she had, how that sowing bountifully and sowing sparingly was more was not really about the amount you gave but more about the attitude to which you are giving and also um, the proportion to which you are giving so a person who makes a billion dollars a month for instance and only deems it fit in his heart to support the gospel with a hundred thousand dollars you might say he's actually so sparingly because even though that hundred thousand dollars might be more than the entire church congregation offering for the whole year combined <laughs> it's 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 really not proportionate to anything he earned and that tells a lot about where his priorities lie so um when you see sowing sparingly and sowing bountifully that's what it suggests we looked at how um paul prayed that they will be able to abound in generosity in verse 8 and verse 11 we looked at how it was that they'll be enriched in everything for all what for all liberality that will be rich in giving okay so paul was basically praying for the giving grace to abound in their lives um so we we talked about how the results of our giving we said needs are met people have cause to thank god and even much more so they pray for you so we we said that it is possible that in your giving people pray that the means through which you gave prospers even more but that should not be motivation we talked about the fact that the result of the prayers of people of course you may be blessed financially but that is not a motivation for giving god is a good father and we can trust in him so that is not you don't you don't you don't go to your dad and say, Oh, dad, I have finally gotten an A1 in my exam. Now, can you give me three square meals a day? That doesn't make any sense. That's an irresponsible father. So, don't, it's, it's, you are, you are, you are really speaking low of the character of God, of the nature of God as a father, and of the love of God to tie your giving um, to his generosity. Okay? 
I mean, if he is good to both the unthankful and thankful alike, to both unbelievers and believers, then why do you think it's your giving that motivates his nature towards you? So we, we cleared all of that last week. So yes, so that's, that's just by way of recap. So today, we're talking about honor for the word or honor for the written word. And we're kind of focusing on the doctrine of Christ. And there's a lot we're going to discuss today. So if you've not gotten your notes, please get your notes, okay? <laughs> there's a lot we're talking about. There's a lot we're going to learn. There's a lot we're going to clarify. How exactly do we view the written word? How exactly do we navigate the written word? Um, what what exactly is is the Bible to the believer? So we'd, we'd, we'd look at a couple of those things. We we'll talk about the apostles' doctrine. And, and like, let's 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 start. So, Father and our God, we are grateful for your love. Thank you for a new month. Thank you for the passage of time. Because he reminds us that our days on this earth are finite. He reminds us to appreciate the, the, the good things we find in our lives. To live a life of purpose, a life devoted to spreading this message of love. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that in this teaching, the understanding of men are enlightened and they are able to grow in their appreciation and in the way they handle the written word. Amen. Okay, so 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 to 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15 to 16. Let this be our memory verse. But there are numbers in this school then who always have a memory verse and a text and all of that. So this is our memory verse, okay? <laughs> so I read from, I'm reading from the KJV, I think throughout today's teaching. <laughs> Second Timothy three fifteen to sixteen he says and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Verse seventeen says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Okay? So the first thing we noticed in verse 15, my emphasis is in the word holy scriptures. It says, from a child you have known the holy scriptures. The word holy there is the word hieros, H-I-E-R-O-S, H-I-E-R-O-S. Scriptures is the word gramma, or gramma rather, G-R-A-M-M-A. And the word grammar just basically refers to writings or a letter or something written down. But when you consider the fact that it were referred to as holy scriptures or what some people or what is written on the Bible today as the holy Bible, okay? Holy scriptures, heroes, grammar or grammar. The word holy talks about something sacred, right? Something set apart to a particular use. Meaning it's not ordinary, it's not common. So we see this adverb, this term, this adjective. I was, I was I've written like years ago. <laughs> this adjective used to qualify the scriptures. Of course, anywhere you see scriptures in the New Testament, it basically talks about Genesis to Malachi, right? And he calls it holy. So he calls it sacred. He calls it special or something set apart to a particular use is the same word in first corinthians 9 verse 13 first corinthians 9 verse 13 it says do you not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar so the same word was used to qualify the things in the tabernacle if you study the torah you would see the ark of the covenant was there the um, seven branched lampstand, the table that had the shoe bread, and all of that. He called them holy things, meaning they were things set apart. In the old covenant, you can't just walk in and start playing around with those things. You will be dead. <laughs> so they were set apart 
for the worship of God. They were special and had a particular purpose, which was the worship of God, right? So it's the same thing with Scripture. It's the same thing with Scripture. It is set apart to a particular use. And Paul doesn't leave Timothy to guess what that was. He told him, the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise. That word there, to make wise, is the word sophizo in the Greek. S-O-P-H-I-Z-O. It means to make a person wise. <laughs> okay? To teach a person. To make a person wise or skilled. To make a person skilled because it's from the word sophos. That's to make someone who is skilled or an expert at something. So it's to make you to make him that Timothy or to make the person who has known the Holy Scriptures skilled in the matters or in the subject of salvation through faith in Christ. Does that make sense? So it's telling you what the purpose is. So in as much as the scriptures are considered holy, meaning sacred or set apart to a particular purpose, he tells you what that purpose is, which is what? Salvation through faith in Christ. So that is what the usage should be, meaning the same way someone in the Old Covenant won't just walk into the, the tabernacle and start playing with the lampstand or start eating the shewbread. Meaning you don't abuse its usage. It's the same thing expected from scripture. In as much as it's holy, heroes, it means it has a particular purpose. And that purpose should be recognized. It shouldn't be abused. So we see that idea even painted in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 verse um, 29. Where it, it talks about those that reject. It says that... The, in verse 28, he that despised the law of Moses died without mercy under two or three covenant and witnesses. How much more sore punishment suppose he shall be thought worthy, who has trodden under for the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. So that's like the opposite. It's what koinos. It means something common, something that is for general, shared. Right, it's it's there's no specific to it, it's common and as despite unto the spirit of grace. It's the same thing in Hebrews 12, verse 16 that none be profane like Esau, who sold his birthright for a piece of meat. So, it's saying that Esau did not regard his birthright as something sacred, as something heroes, as something special, and so he was profane, meaning he did not esteem it for what it was what it was he did not have value for that thing so it's the it's the same attitude we should bring to scripture when we realize that it is holy it means it has a particular usage you don't just use the bible any way you like <laughs> okay you don't just say oh i'm looking for a wife is the, I, I must find the word for it i will check the bible for it i'm looking for you don't the, it is it has a way it should be used else you are not recognizing it as holy does that make sense so it's it's, it's the it's it's the same thing when he talks about the, the, the prophecies of old. We'll get to that. Let's go on. So he now says verse, in verse 16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now when he says this, he's saying that when you look at the, the, the summation of the scriptures, what you see is salvation through faith in Christ. So when he says all scripture, he's talking about the summation of scripture. This is what you see. He's not saying that every verse and every statement is, 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 is um, able to make you wise unto salvation. So you don't now wake up in the morning and you say all scripture is, 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 is profitable for this. You now go to Song of Solomon, kiss me, kiss me again, your love is sweeter than wine or something. And say, oh, this is, this is, this is. This is the word for the day. You now call your girlfriend. The Lord is speaking to us and he says we should kiss and kiss again. You are confused. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> so when he says all scripture, 
is talking about the summation that when a person looks holistically at the at the scriptures or at the old testament what he should see there should be salvation through faith in christ if you are seeing something else there's a problem that's his point does that make sense so he goes on he says so basically what we what we do when we read the old testament we see christ in the old testament so you find specific words specific prophecies specific actions that all pointed to christ so it's like what he said in second peter 1 verse 20 that knowing this not no prophecy or scripture came by anyone's private interpretation but holy men speak as they were moved by the holy spirit so there it was specifically referring to the prophecies contained in scripture so when he says all scripture is talking holistically is this summation that when you look at it this is what you should see so we we kind of see through and that's what we call interpreting the old in the light of the new and we'll talk more about that later but let's just take note of that so it says it's given by inspiration of god and is profitable the word profitable is the word ophelimos and it's spelled o-p-h-e-l-i-m-o-s o-p-h-e-l-i-m-o-s it's profitable that word there means it is advantageous it is helpful meaning this is what it is good for so when you say for instance panadol is profitable for headache or this drug is profitable for a headache you don't use it for malaria it's not profitable for that so it's still saying the same thing the same way scripture is holy it is also profitable unto particular things so this is what is good for don't use it for something else okay so what is itself what is it what is it good for what is it advantageous for it says it is good for what for doctrine that's the word didaskalia or didaskalia anyone it means doctrine it means teaching okay so it's profitable for teaching what, what so it means the material you use to teach should be scripture that's where you get your teaching from it says it's profitable for what reproof that's the word elenchos e-l-e-g-c-h-o-s e-l-e-g-c-h-o-s that word there should have been proper or it means proof it's just old king james it means proof or conviction it's from the same word we see in hebrews 11 verse 1 faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen that word evidence is the same word elenchos in the greek so from it's from scripture you get your what your proof or your conviction that's where you get your conviction from so if you see paul speaking for instance in first corinthians 15 he says that we know that christ died according to scripture he was buried according to scripture he was resurrected according to scripture so that's where the proof the conviction or the evidence is he goes on he also says for correction that's the word epanothosis we're going to be doing a lot of greek words because it, there's a lot of things here that i feel the original passes a better message of so for correction so epanothos is e-p-a-n-o-r-t-h-o-s-i-s and it basically means to straighten something up to straighten something up so that's why it's implied correction to straighten things up and it says for instruction that's the word idea meaning to 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 train it's kind of what is suggested to for children so where you have pediatrics or all those things pid talking about children raising a child or cultivating something so nurturing it's for nurturing in righteousness so this is what scripture is profitable for it's for teaching it's for correcting it's for evidence it's for training that is what is profitable for in righteousness so he gives specifics he doesn't leave you to assume that oh okay um, maybe it's also for instruction in business Mm -mm. 
there's nothing about seven keys for financial prosperity that is not what it is profitable for it tells you what it's profitable for and if indeed you regard scriptures to be holy meaning to have a particular use then you should stick to the usage that has been prescribed does that make sense so this is just by way of introduction and we're, we're still considering a lot more things but i just want all those all these facts to be clear it now goes on in verse 17 that the man of god may be perfect that word there atios or artios it means fresh or complete thoroughly furnished unto all good works so he's speaking to timothy which is why he says that the man of god because timothy is a minister of the gospel some of you might say oh i'm not a man of god i'm only a son of god <laughs> you should be flogged but <clears throat> even though this was speaking to timothy and regards him and he says thoroughly furnished unto good works re- regarding him teaching people so timothy was meant to use scriptures to teach he was meant to use scriptures to prove he was meant to use scriptures to correct he was meant to use scriptures to instruct you that you might say oh i'm not a minister i'm not a pastor i'm not in quote a ministry gift in quotes it doesn't exclude the fact that now that you have scriptures accessible to you it has that same function in your life so a person who has been, I mean, then they didn't have scriptures readily accessible to them. So they gathered often and then the elder would read scriptures and teach from it. You that have it, you that has it, <laughs> you that has it today, okay, I'm not an English, I'm not an English, I'm a science student. <laughs> you that has it today, under the guidance of proper teachers, you should be able to properly navigate scriptures to the same effect does that make sense so that is scripture it is holy it is special it has a specific use just the same with the items in the temples did not multiple purposes just like your dad's favorite cup that nobody in the house drinks from it is heroes it is holy because it is sacred for your dad's use it's the same way scriptures are not normal they are specific unto salvation through faith so it is in so scriptures the purpose of scriptures is to inform people of god's salvation plan and the life that comes there by the result meaning christian living so we see in the scriptures salvation and christian living does that make sense so any other usage it means you are treating it as koinos you are treating it as common or unholy hallelujah <laughs> so let that sink in I, I'm, I'm pausing to let that sink in so when we when we realize that it, it then informs the way you navigate through scriptures and now when i so when i say scriptures now i'm talking about both the old and new so it, it informs the way you look at it you know that you are reading it with a particular end in mind if it is outside salvation spiritual growth christian lifestyle meaning conduct and and character and all those things then you know you are making a mistake if you are reading it to find out how to be rich you are making a mistake if you are reading it for something outside the purpose you are not handling scriptures as holy does that make sense so you would see that even jesus realized this and stuck to it even during his time on earth jesus treated scriptures as holy so let's start now so that's by way of introduction now we're starting today's teaching let's go to john 5. john 5 verse 39 so I read it says search the scriptures so like i said anywhere you see scriptures in the old Te- in the new testament it refers to genesis malachi or the old testament it says search the scriptures all right it says for in them you think you have eternal life he's speaking to the pharisees it says and they are they which testify of me meaning the scriptures the word there is material it means to bear witness 
to report of someone so even jesus spoke clearly that the scriptures testified of him the same thing paul says salvation through faith in who in jesus christ right so scriptures point to jesus who is the source of eternal life In verse 46 of that same chapter, verse 46 to 47, he says, For had you believed Moses, he's speaking to the Pharisees, you would have believed me. For what? He wrote of me. So in the scriptures, what do you see? Jesus. Moses wrote about Christ about salvation through faith in christ romans 10 says the same thing says the righteousness of faith speaks this way don't say in your heart who would ascend to the heavens that is to bring down bring christ to the earth or who would go into their base that is to raise him up from the dead but if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you shall be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation he was quoting deuteronomy when he said that so in the scriptures we saw righteousness through faith which is why he says, Moses wrote of me in the Torah, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You see Christ. You see Christ. He now says in verse 14, he says, But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Why? Because we are seeing the same thing. And this, so he's accusing the Pharisees that they are not, they actually did not believe the scripture because if you believe the scriptures you would see christ revealed it is only in unbelief that christ is veiled in the old testament to the man who has faith christ is revealed i'll say that again it is only in unbelief that christ is veiled in the old testament to the man who has faith christ is revealed which is why second corinthians 3 talked about a veil remaining on their hearts till this day and how that on the reading of the law <coughs> a veil remains why because their hearts are hardened unbelief it says that veil is taken away when the heart shall turn to the lord meaning when he places faith in jesus so a man or it is through faith that the scriptures are made clear it is through faith that Christ is seen in the scriptures. And so Jesus was clearly telling them that they did not actually believe Moses' writings. Because Moses clearly spoke of them. I mean, Moses clearly told them, for instance, that a prophet like me would arise from among you. Listen to him. If they believed all scripture, they would have seen the promised Messiah and they would have recognized him in Jesus. Do you get that? So that was Jesus' point, still buttressing the fact that scriptures pointed to him. Hallelujah. So that's that. Let's go to Luke 24. Luke 24. Let's start from verse 13. And I'll pick some verses because it's a long read. We're going to read all the way to verse 27. So this was after the, resur- um, the day of the resurrection and Jesus had risen from the dead and people started saying, Ah, I saw him, I saw him. The, sorry, that's Mary, the Marys. <laughs> said, we saw him, we saw him. And so the news had spread like wildfire. And it now starts from verse 13. And behold, two of them went about the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together about all the things that had happened. And so when he came to pass, they communed together and reasoned. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him, meaning they didn't recognize him. Verse 17, he says, And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have to, to one another as you walk? And that's that. And the, and the one of them whose name was Cleopas answered, saying unto him, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? And has not known the things which have come to pass in these days? Don't you know? Aren't you up to date? He says what things, and he went on, went on, went on, they narrated the story of Jesus, and then they said that, okay, certain women have said that they saw him, and just by the way, it's amazing how the first witnesses of the resurrection were women. So for those who claim that women should not be in ministry or stuff like that, this clearly refutes that, because the first people who preached the gospel in its entirety meaning that jesus has risen where even women okay so 
that's just by the way he goes on he says and they found out his body and they came so they narrated everything to the point where he was risen and i love jesus's response in verse 25 he says then he said unto them oh fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken i think the reverse says <laughs> if jesus is insulting it's not so he shows it's not an insult actually because if you if just calls you a fool then you are a fool you don't say ah, me jesus me a fool and they would have started fighting on the road of emma he says oh fools that love heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken ought not christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and i have joked about that but the truth is if some of us could have humbled ourselves enough to realize that we might actually be ignorant where we are ignorant and not take offense a couple of us may have learned a lot of things earlier so that's just by the way but let's 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 examine all of this now so he called them fools the word fools is the word anoetos anoetos in the greek a-n-o-e-t-o-s and as like i said it's not as if there is you are bound in revelation knowledge when you can pronounce greek words better okay there's just some things that i want to emphasize that the original paints a beautiful picture of the word anoetos is from two words ah so just a and it's the negative article it simply means so it, it, it negates what comes after it is like a season and season means belief in god so a season is you don't believe in god agnosticism is from ah meaning negative and gnosis knowledge so meaning you have no knowledge so even if you you agree that there's a god you don't believe he can be known or stuff like that you just let god be his lane let us be our lane so that's what ah means all right so he calls them anoetos the other word is the word nous <coughs> noio rather noio in the greek n-o-i-e-o and it means to exercise the mind to exercise the mind or the intellect so when you say anoetos it means it means they were not using their minds or they were not they were not thinking things through they were not thinking things through. They were not exercising their minds to, to think things through. He now calls them slow of heart. So slow there just means they were slow. <laughs> they were dull of heart. And the word heart there, cardia, it means the seat of the thoughts or feelings. So meaning they were not thinking things through. It's the same thing. They were, they were not responsive. They were not thinking things through. They were not using their minds. He says to believe all that the prophets have spoken where were they spoken in the scriptures is the same thing in first and second peter that we read how the prophecies were not private interpretation meaning they were not putting these prophecies they were not thinking through these prophecies in order to make sense of the fact that had been presented to them so the next verse that's why now says ought not christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at moses and all the prophets which is what genesis to malachi he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who himself the same thing he said in john john 5 39 they are there which testify of who of me so jesus was basically telling them that they were not putting this fact contained in scripture together they were dull when it came to their thinking why because of preconceived notions i mean when you look at verse 21 it says we had trusted that it had been he who would have redeemed israel so it's the same issue that the apostles had in acts 1 6 jesus had taught them for 40 days and they were still asking god will thou at this time again restore the kingdom to israel so a lot of people did not put the scriptures together properly they were slow of heart because they assumed the messiah would be a political figure he'll be like david he'll be like joshua he'll be like samson 
break Israel free and what's more Israel were actually being ruled by the Romans so they assumed that the same way Moses delivered them from Egypt Joshua brought them to the promised land Samson delivered them from the Philistines David conquered everybody that this Messiah would take us away from the Romans and establish us as a kingdom that would never be defeated so they were hoping for physical victory and that preconceived notion blinded them so much that upon the death of Jesus, they were like, ah, all hope is lost. They couldn't put scriptures together to see that Jesus had to die. That's what he said. So in 26, he says, ought not. It had to happen. And it was said that it happened. So if truly you were putting, you were using your mind, you were not fools, <laughs> you would have seen that it was necessary. That's Jesus' point. And that's why he now says, beginning at Moses, so from Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them. So the word expounded, diaminuo, forget the pronunciation, <laughs> just forgive me, I'm not Greek. Diaminuo, so it's D-I-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-O, D-I-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-O. U O. It means to explain thoroughly. And it's from two words. The first one is dia, or some people say dia. It's dia. It's dia. So where you get diameter, it means to go through something. So a diameter is what? A line that divides the circle into half or two equal sides, right? Am I right? I should be right. <laughs> so, dia, to go through something. And then, hermeneuo, it's from the word, so that's from where we get hermeneutics, for instance, interpretation. It means to interpret. It's from the word hermes, which was regarded as the god of language in Greece. So, it's to interpret a language, something like that. So, when it says diamenuo, it means to interpret through something, to thoroughly explain or thoroughly interpret something. Meaning he went through it. He went from Genesis to Malachi through the scriptures, interpreting it. So the Old Testament had a certain language per se, which is what that word communicates. So a certain way the message was passed across. So you see Hebrews talking about types and shadows. You see Hebrews 1 verse 1 saying in different times, in different manners. So there was a certain way that there was a certain way that the Old Testament passed across its message. And that message needed to be interpreted. So Jesus went through the whole Old Testament and explained or made clear the message that was there. So we, would, so we can assume some of the things he did. He would have gone to Abraham or Genesis and talk about how the promised seed was actually the Messiah. He would have gone to the wilderness and talk about how because of unbelief they didn't enter into the rest. He would have, from there he would go back to Genesis 1, talk about the seventh day, talk about the Sabbath and how there was actually the true rest of God which was found in Christ. Stuff like that that you see in Hebrews and Paul's writings. So this was what Jesus would have done in those 40 days. He could have done a couple of that on the road to Emmaus. I don't know how long the walk was, but he would have touched a lot of things. He would have gone to Isaiah 53, talk about the suffering servant. Go to David, talk about, you not list and allow my soul to see corruption. That is him expounding. That is him going through the scriptures, interpreting it. And I'm sure they would have done this screen like, post my head, see life, see Rema, emoji, what man? <laughs> Something like that. So that was what happened. That was what happened, okay? And that's why you would see in verse 32, it says, And they said to one another, Did our hearts not burn within us? So it's the same word, Kadia. You know, he had already told them earlier that they were slow of heart. Their hearts were, they were dull. They were dull of hearts. And I told you the heart is the seat of thoughts and feelings. So now it says, did our hearts not burn? That word there, burn. <coughs> it means to set on fire, to kindle. So now their hearts had been kindled, right? Through the correct teaching. 
that is what proper teaching does basically okay so it says while he talked with us and he opened to us the scriptures so it's the same word dianoigo it means to open something thoroughly so jesus did what on that journey he properly went through the scriptures he went through the scriptures and showed jesus and showed himself as the message so jesus knew how to properly handle scriptures he knew that scriptures like paul said were specific unto salvation through faith in christ jesus does that make sense i really hope it does because time is not on my side wow okay <laughs> so let's go on further down so those were with the two people at emmaus jesus had a similar um, experience or a similar narration with his disciples the major 11 one had already slid them <laughs> In verse 44, he says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you. So we see that even before Jesus' death, during his earthly ministry, he was also teaching himself from Scripture. He says that all these things must be fulfilled, meaning the death, the burial, the resurrection. It says, which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms, concerning me. So that was the same thing. It says, this was what I spoke to you while I was with you. And he says, then he opened he their understanding. That word there is the same word, Dianoigo, that we, that we looked at. That I said, he opened their, the scriptures to them. He opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So take note of that word understand is the word near me. <laughs> God. S-U-N-I-E-M-I. S-U-N-I-E-M-I. Take note of it. Why? Because it means the almost the opposite of anoitus. So from the word soon we have together. So near me means to put things together in the mind. Don't forget Jesus called those two fools, meaning they were not using their minds. They were not exercising their minds. So now Jesus explained that they might understand the scripture. So they would be putting together those different bits, those different pieces, those diverse times, those diverse manners in their minds. And they would see Christ clearly. So it was kind of like put like a jigsaw in your head. You'd be like, oh... Ah, um, um, in you shall the nations of the earth be blessed. Oh, okay, okay. God raised up a prophet like me. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, the Lord said to my Lord, Oh, sit down at my right hand. Oh, 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 something like that. That's what was happening. They were putting things together in their minds. And even today, when believers are callous with the Old Testament, it's because they have not put things together. Maybe they are looking at just a portion, and all they are seeing there is um, all the years of locust and tanker worm shall be <laughs> with no 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 attack intended shall be restored, or you shall learn from many nations and not borrow. That's the only thing you are seeing. You've not learned to put things together, and you need to be taught. You've not learned to see Christ as the full picture. So you see Jesus saying, these are the words I speak with you. So even his time on earth, what was Jesus teaching? Himself in scripture. After the resurrection, what did he teach? Himself in scripture. And like I told you, that this is talking about not just one scripture per se, but the summation of scripture. Don't forget we said all scripture. So for, for instance, in John 7.38, John 7 38. It says, so it's the scripture we know. He that believed on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There is no scripture that says this verbatim. He's talking about the giving of the Spirit. We don't have one scripture that says, out of his belly shall flow liver or something like that. You get. But he's talking about the submission or the interpretation, the hermeneutic of the scriptures so what can come to your mind for instance with joel 2 28 it says in that day i'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh do you see that 
the same thing in John 2 19 to 22 John 2 19 to 22 it says destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up and in verse 22 it says when therefore he was risen from the dead his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them and they believed the scripture which scripture there's no scripture like destroy this temple and I'll raise it up or something like or the temple of Jesus the temple is the body of Jesus but they under they, they saw that fact of the resurrection they will look at um, things like god never dwelt in temples in isaiah they will look at oh you will not suffer my my body to see corruption okay and they will put those things together to understand that oh the temple was actually the body and jesus rose from the dead okay god dwells in human bodies like oh now they have put it together in their minds when he says they believe the scripture is not talking about one particular um portion that verbatim said all this but when they looked through the scriptures this is what they saw so the summation of scriptures pointed to the death the burial the resurrection of jesus and what would happen as a result does that make sense so let's go back to um luke 24 right luke 24 back to verse 41 verse 48 yes so no verse 46 so it says and he said unto them thus it is written and thus he behooved christ the same way there's no scripture that says Christ should suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Mm-mm. But the submission of scriptures pointed to that fact. It pointed to that fact. So it says, Christ should suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. It says, and ye are witnesses of these things. So he's basically telling them you are witnesses of scriptures fulfilled. And that's why even in Acts 2, so Peter from verse to verse, he talked about David, he talked about Joel. In Acts 2, he now says, and we are witnesses of these things. So at first, the first testimony was always the scripture. Before then, their personal experience to reckon it as true. I mean, Paul never saw the physical Jesus. Yet, he had a strong testimony. From where? From scriptures. We'll get to that when we look at Acts 17 and stuff like that. So, Jesus, both before and after his resurrection, taught himself from scripture. So, Jesus, in the 40 days, from Acts 1, verse 1 to 3, teaching his disciples, what was he teaching them? Himself from scripture, or how to properly interpret scriptures such that Christ is seen. Does that make sense? That is how scriptures should be handled. That is when you that is how to actually regard scriptures as holy. Okay? So the apostles learned this from Jesus and they went about teaching the same way. What were they teaching? Christ in the Old Testament. So for instance, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, where it says, and the things which are <coughs> The thing which you've heard of me among many witnesses, commit the same to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What was Paul teaching him? Christ in the Old Testament or the proper interpretation of scriptures. Be it to teach doctrine, be it to teach character, conduct, which is actually what forms of Christian, Christian doctrine. Salvation through faith in Christ, Christian lifestyle. It was through the scriptures. So when Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 3 that I put you here in Ephesus to charge that they might teach no other doctrine. How will he be able to recognize false doctrine? He had been taught how to properly handle, properly handle the scriptures. So you see even in verse 7 it says desiring to be teachers of the law. So these guys that would want to form what men? They did not know how to handle, how to handle scripture, which was what false teaching was actually, prop, improper handling of scripture. Either you are teaching, um, either the wrong interpretation of scripture, you are teaching something that was not even found in scripture in the first place. So truth was passed down 
through teaching. Jesus taught the apostles, the apostles taught others. So in Acts 2.42, for instance, where it says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What was the apostles' doctrine? How to properly, in the correct interpretation of the Old Testament. That was their didascal, so that was their didache. So when we say the Old Testament is the sorry, the New Testament is the Old Testament explained, do you now see why? So it's, it's not like there are two different messages. Mm-mm. In the Old Testament, the New Testament is the same message. That the New Testament expounds it. The New Testament is the diamino <laughs> of the Old Testament. Hallelujah. So, for instance, we've already gone through 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. So, I'll be a bit fast because time is not my side. Yeah, thank God this is just part one. <laughs> and you see, it says, how that Christ died according to Scripture. He was very according to Scripture. He was resurrected according to Scripture. So, everything they taught was from Scripture. That was Paul speaking. We look at 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6 and verse 11 it says now these things were examples to the intent that we should not lost after evil things as they also lost it talking about um, israel in the wilderness he says we can learn from that example hebrews also draws the same lesson how through unbelief they couldn't enter into rest even verse first Corinthians 10 verse 11 it says now all these things happen to them for unto them for examples and they are written for our what admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come so he's paul is teaching christian living he's talking about how um, these corinthians should not tolerate idolatry and he uses the account of israel which is contained in the writings of moses as an example so you see even in teaching christian conduct what did he point to scripture you see, the same thing when he talks about how um, the Christian woman should be like Sarah, who did not, who, who, who was respectful unto Abraham and called herself her, um, him, her Lord, and all of that. He was teaching women, um, women submitting to their husbands using the examples found in Scripture. The same thing in Romans 15. Romans 15 verse 3 to 4 it says for even christ pleased not himself but as it is written the reproaches of them that reproach thee have fallen on me for whatsoever thing were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of scripture might have hope so be whatever the apostles taught whether it was the message of the gospel, whether it was our response in conduct, in character, it, it was always drawn from scripture. I mean, you look at even for instance, in First Corinthians 9, where Paul was teaching about foregoing his rights, even though as a minister of the gospel, it was actually his right to receive of the giving of the people he ministered to and he brought out even the scripture of how you should not muzzle the ox while he treads upon and says what god really talking about was the spirit of god through moses talking about oxen he says no so even there we see the proper interpretation of that purple of that of that part hallelujah so when you read the new testament you are reading how to properly interpret the old so that when you go into the old you are not confused you are not looking around for things that are not there hallelujah the same thing in romans 6 verse 17 romans 6 verse 17 it says but god be thanked that ye were the servants of St. Boabo, obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. What was that? The same thing he said in 2 Timothy 3.16. Salvation through faith in Christ. Salvation through faith in Christ. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 16. 
first timothy 4 verse 16 you see paul telling timothy take heed to thyself and to the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear he's not saying save from hell he's talking about save from error because timothy was already saved he's talking about save from error so now you see why the, the, the case of doctrine was given such an importance especially in the epistles because once you start to look or handle the scriptures the wrong way everything you build up on that wrong interpretation of scripture will be wrong and it would affect you one way or the other so in romans 16 17 where he says that note them that teach any doctrine contrary to what you said and avoid them it was that important meaning anyone that twists the interpretation of scripture or doesn't even come from the scriptures at all so in the epistles we see scriptures properly explained so when the apostles were teaching what was their material scripture that was where they taught from so that's why Paul would tell Timothy that it is profitable for doctrine. So they taught from this. This was their material. This was their material. That is why in Acts 17, where Paul went to the people of Berea, and he says, let's go there, Acts 17 verse 11. Acts 17 verse 11 says, They were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all readiness of mind. And such what? The scriptures daily whether those things were so therefore many of them believed why because they were objective enough to look at scriptures the right way and like i've told you anybody who looks at scriptures without preconceived notions without prejudice christ will be seen to a man who has faith Christ is seen in the scriptures and so they were able to believe why because Paul, through the teaching of Paul through the diamino of Paul they saw Christ in the scriptures and placed faith in that explanation that's why you would even notice through the book of Acts look at all the times there was a sermon in Acts 2 in Acts 3 in Acts 4 Peter and Stephen in Acts 7 there was when you look when you con when you objectively um study those teachings there was always that that emphasis they did not make any statements without referring to the scriptures is that that they would have spoken do not say and we are witnesses <laughs> so they would have talked about how david said this isaiah said this moses says this. They say and we are witnesses do you get so, for instance, in Stephen, in Acts 7, he was speaking to, he was on trial. He went in, um, in verse 9, he spoke about how Joseph's brothers rejected Joseph. In verse 39, he spoke about how the Israelites rejected Moses. In verse 52, he talked about how they had also rejected the prophets and killed them. And now they were rejecting Christ. So basically, he was telling them that what they were doing was a pattern that was consistent throughout Scripture. So it's not surprising. He's... he's their foundation the foundation of proper apostolic teaching was always the scriptures was always the scriptures so don't look at the old testament and say, mm, my old testament is gone it's gone Mm-mm. thank god you have the new testament but these guys it was in the same old testament they wrote down every new creation reality you can see in the pauline epistles it was from scriptures he saw it you look at Galatians 3, it talks about the bond woman, the slave woman, righteousness by faith, righteousness by works. All in the writings of Moses, all in the scripture. So a proper Bible student doesn't ignore, doesn't run away from the altar and say, it's old, it's old, it's passed away, calm down, know what has passed away. The writings did not pass away. Righteous, the, the law okay as it means to righteousness was what was done away with not the writings of the old testament okay so we see that proper apostolic teaching or the doctrine of the apostles which is the doctrine of christ is actually the proper interpretation of the old testament 
So today many people say, oh, the Holy Bible, they call the Bible the Holy Bible. But from their attitude towards scripture, you will know that they don't consider the Bible to be holy. Anybody who still thinks the Bible is for putting under their pillow, <laughs> it might seem pious, but it shows you still don't know how to use the Bible. Anybody go to the Bible to find out seven keys for anything, <laughs> for selfish gain, it shows you don't know how to properly interpret you don't know how to properly handle scripture proper bible study i wrote this down must always see christ as the focus salvation and the christian work whether it's the old testament whether it's the new testament is the same message it's the same message of course that message is clearly presented in the new testament but it will do you no harm to use the New Testament as a guide and take time out to navigate through the Old Testament. There's a lot to learn when you see when you take out your own time to see Christ in the Old Testament. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn because that was how the early church was taught. Jesus in Genesis. Jesus through the writings. Jesus through the prophets. Hallelujah. So this is, this is what the doctrine of Christ is. This is what proper Bible study is. And by the way, let's just go back to our memory verse. From a holy child, thou has no... Sorry. <laughs> from a child, rather. Second Timothy 3. Thou has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That is where honor for the written word starts from. Handling the Bible the way Jesus handled it. Amen. So I hope you've learned a lot tonight <laughs> or today. There are a lot more things I would have covered. I'll cover them in the next teaching. <laughs> Alright, so enjoy the rest of your day and have a blessed month.